From the Lean Enterprise Institute in Boston, this is the WLEI Podcast, where we share stories of people making the world better through lean thinking and practice. For more information about LEI, please visit lean.org. Welcome to WLEI Series Coachable, where we explore the implications and dynamics of coaching in a business environment. There's a real conversation taking shape, rooting in relationships, utilizing mental models, and creating the environment for coaching to take place. I'm happy to bring you today's episode, which is a conversation with Bryant Sanders, a Toyota veteran who shares a story where he models a masterful execution of coaching work improvement on the floor. We invite you to join our conversation by emailing your thoughts and experiences to pod, P-O-D, at lean.org. All right, so to set things up, uh, in, in the last conversation I had about coaching, we talked about the importance of creating the environment, coaching in the environment where the work happens. And Brian, you were recently on site at this organization coaching. And um, we received, back at the office, we received pictures from the field about this coaching as it was evolving. Uh, so the story kind of unfolded for us, and it was a really interesting story, a compelling story, and I wanted to try and share it with our listeners. And one of my first questions is, Brian, when you, when you went to this team and you went to this company, how did you go about deciding what area to work in, where to focus? Well, the, um, uh, with this particular project, uh, we spent a lot of time considering uh, the company's role uh, and what impact it would have uh, through the layers of the, organ- of the organization's uh, supply chain. So one of the things the company had asked us was, how do we work uh, through the layers of our supply chain, really where the value is being added? Um, and the business need uh, from the company was to look at um, how can they shrink and reduce the uh, lead time uh, to bring closure to their projects uh, so they can serve their customers quicker. Um, and so then that led to uh, discussion around uh, what is the bulk of the work uh, with the characteristics of work that uh, that's repeatable, that we can examine uh, and look deeply into uh, at the job site. And uh, that led to uh, investigating where did we have a good pairing uh, in the supply chain, maybe with uh, some of the, uh, the uh, without getting into too much detail, uh, where some of the partners uh, had some understanding of lean so that we weren't uh, educating directly from the beginning, uh, but, that, uh, but still needed uh, help to break through um, how to become more efficient. Um, and uh, so we we examined the the, um, the different uh, possibilities, uh, and we landed in a particular job site. Uh, and at that job site, we were able to uh, uh, ask some key questions about this uh, kind of what is the bulk of the work? What what element of, of the job site here uh, does the does the work consist most of? And it led to um, work in the area of uh, uh, electric electrical uh, installation trade. Uh, and then when we examined further, 
uh, we actually then went to the uh, work site and said, okay, let's look at some of these, the work that's actually happening. Um, and we landed on two areas uh, to focus. Um, and so in the first area uh, that we really examined was an area where we found um, several workers uh, participating in a team to accomplish the end task of installing uh, electrical bus rail. Mm-hmm. And so this this gave lend itself to uh, uh, a good uh, kind of field to learn, a good uh, setting to learn, because it, it required us to look at multiple jobs uh, or multiple people doing different jobs, and then how to coordinate the, that work. Um, and so thus lending itself to the thinking of the meaning of standardized work combination table or standardized work combination. So how do we combine the work of uh, different people, coordinated, synchronized, so that we can work uh, efficiently? And so that is how we landed uh, in the one area in the electrical uh, bus installation area. Uh, the other area we found just by uh, was um, electrical termination uh, and this is where, uh, in a power distribution panel, the electrical uh, uh, connectors are a term a term lug is placed on the end, and then is placed in the power distribution panel and tightened uh, to make sure that there's good uh, connectivity uh, for electrical distribution. And this was area was determined because, uh, given the the scope of the site, there are thousands of these terminations that would be be required. In order to bring closure to the project and get the uh, get the facility up and serving the, because the customers, our clients' customers, and so it was a it was a kind of a natural based on that original criteria, but also the amount of work uh, and repeatable type of work um, that would exist. Thank you. So you were, I and mean, it's not like you spent your life in this line of work, so you didn't know the nuance of the work, but you were looking for certain characteristics of repeatable work that were impactful to the lead time. And so that through following that compass, right, that led you to these two different areas of focus. Yes, well, you know, it is the, um, so being in, in this uh, line of work uh, and having uh, looked, examined the work, um, what I realized that over, when we do work, you know, either service work or manufacturing work, uh, if we're producing a product, uh, serving uh, hamburgers at McDonald's, over a period of time, we'll see a, a, some pattern of repeatability. So uh, I would say that we could say all work is repeatable, but the other factor was how much of this work contributes to the lead time uh, at this particular site. So, um, for example, given that this is uh, in the construction industry, uh, pouring the foundation of the building would happen basically one time. So, although if they were to we were to go to another site, we would pour the foundation. But at this particular site, the electrical work would happen in many different, uh, several, you know, hundreds of times, thousands of times. Um, and so that if the in order to close the project, we have to get all of those thousands of cycles of work completed. Uh, if that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. And I know a, a lot of times when we think about what problem do we want to solve, uh, I think there's a, a skill and an art to picking the right problem to solve. 
uh, to being effective in, in what you're choosing to work with. Now, Mark shared with us um, as a way of sort of orienting us in what the job was, a job instruction sheet. Uh, actually, it's a job breakdown sheet. And one of, my, one of the things I'm curious about was, did that already exist? Or was that something that you put together with the team as a way to better understand the work once you chose your area of focus? Well, the, the interesting thing, uh, so the job breakdown sheet uh, is, is associated, it's, a, it's one of the outcomes of our work uh, associated with the bus rail installation. Um, one of the, um, so as we examine that work, uh, again, in the bus rail installation, uh, there are about 10 people initially uh, that were uh, working together uh, in a way that uh, those included uh, a lot of uh, excess motion handling, uh, a lot of conveyance, um, and really uh, a lot of waiting. Uh, and so uh, when we looked at that work, uh, we have to think about um, where is, how do we choreograph this work um, in a way that the workers can work together simultaneously um, and uh, uh, so that we can reduce the waiting and if even if um, possible uh, reduce the amount of uh, people who are doing the work so um, the job breakdown sheet is an outgrowth as we looked at uh, the work and say okay when because we have to choreograph more than one person where is the uh, work being bottlenecked and what we found was that we uh, as we looked at uh, uh, multiple cycles of work we found that uh, when different team members would do a particular job, uh, the amount of time it would take that team member to do the, and that particular job was a coupling installation. Uh, when the amount of time it would take one team member versus another was dramatically different. And so uh, this is where we had to begin to work to take some of the, uh, what we would call fluctuation uh, out of the work so that we can get a, a better baseline. And so in order to do that, what we realized is we needed to uh, be able to uh, convey in a very clear and concise uh, and the reasons why uh, the specific job steps in doing the coupling installation. And so um, we examined that work, uh, we studied that work with the person who could do the job uh, repeatedly without much fluctuation um, and we uh, work with that person uh, to really understand what steps they were taking to do the work, um, what were the kind of key points or methods or uh, what we call maybe knacks associated with doing the work, doing the work, and then what are some of the key reasons why uh, for each of those, those things so that we could uh, capture that uh, in a way so that we can begin to uh, uh, take that information uh, and begin to transfer that uh, to the other members uh, to be able to reduce their time when they do, did that same job. That's wonderful, wonderful. So a nice, like, good, solid first step uh, is, you know, taking a good, careful observation of the work and applying that, putting that down on a job breakdown sheet. Uh, not as a prescription, but it is, a, you know, the first step that you took here to sort of stabilize uh, the, the, the important steps, the key points or the knack and the reasons why, yeah? Yeah, so we couldn't get the, um, <clears throat> we couldn't get the next level of improvement 
without uh, passing through this uh, this point of uh, stabilization, uh, as you described. Um, so uh, we would have been, um, you know, basically running in circles uh, because the bottleneck uh, would have moved um, you know, as as people rotated uh, across the work. Um, and so our our aim was to uh, this element is taking long when this person does the job. So is it, you know, we had to ask, is it a, is it a really a skill level or, uh, do, you know, does the person know, do they not know, uh, or how do we get them to understand uh, a better way um, without um, being offensive to the knowledge that they do have? That's and right. So how do we get that, get, yeah, how do we get them kind of that exposure? Um, and so um, the job breakdown sheet and working with the members, documenting it, uh, took the took the kind of the uh, took the emotion out of it and made it uh, kind of plain and practical, uh, especially being able to express the reasons why. It's wonderful. And then the next uh, sort of thing we had back at LEI as the story was unfolding for us was a, a picture, an image of two workers and one of them working and one of them coaching. And I'm curious to know um, what the relationship was between those two people, if it was a supervisor and an operator or if they were peers uh, or if it mattered, I guess. Well, the, the interesting, as we engage the team um, at this particular, at this site, uh, as we engage the team, you know, our approach, uh, they saw us observing their work initially. Uh, and we spoke with, uh, you know, all you know, all of the layers of the organization, from the executive leader uh, to the foreman to the supervisor, uh, and then to the uh, foreman, and we expressed uh, what our intentions uh, were. Um, you know, as we originally arrived on the site, um, but our uh, methodology of identifying hard work and difficult work, uh, and giving, if you will, a gift back and, and fixing those issues in real time, and giving a, a gift back. Uh, to the team members who are doing the work more quickly um, allowed us to have a very meaningful engagement. So uh, they, you know, very quickly we crossed through the threshold that they found we weren't a threat uh, to bring harm to the work we were doing, but in fact um, reduce some of the burden and struggles that they were having in their work. Um, and so as we um, work with the members, uh, it really fostered teamwork uh, amongst the, the group, because I remember, as I indicated, uh, when we arrived, there were originally about 10 people who were working in the area. Um, and, and most, uh, you know, we believe that, you know, most people, when they come to work, they come to work to do a good job. And mm -hmm. so when you have 10 people and, uh, you know, many of them, you know, are standing around, you know, they don't, they don't feel like that they're, you know, they're contributing and being valuable. And so as we begin to do the work, um, uh, and we begin to coordinate and synchronize the work uh, in a way that uh, uh, people could work together and we get the job done faster, uh, then the spirit of teamwork um, began to uh, take over. And so these two that we see in the picture here, um, they're colleagues. Um, and um, they're not a supervisor uh, and team member or team leader and team member. Uh, they are, uh, are uh, same peers. Was there anything special about these two uh, that you chose to pair together or to, you know, walk through the, the job breakdown in action together? 
Well, the um, again. So what we what we saw, in fact. So this is one of the this is one of the, uh, you know, as we talk about the theme about coaching real time in the work. Um, this allowed us to see, you know, as we were right there in the midst of the work, we could see uh, the skill gap. Uh, and we can ask uh, many questions around why does the skill gap occur? But the, these two peers, they're working in the, in the same area, uh, trying to accomplish the same task, even as the team. And so, uh, but there's skill, there's this existing skill difference, uh, uh, know-how difference. Mm-hmm. So why does that happen? So instead of, uh, you know, branching off and beginning to chase uh, some kind of training program on the wall in the, in the classroom, uh, our approach was, well, let's, uh, let's see, let's countermeasure that, the skill gap now, uh, by uh, developing the job breakdown sheet uh, and having uh, the more skilled member uh, provide their know-how uh, and uh, coaching support uh, to the other member so that we can uh, raise the level of skill and move on with the uh, with uh, improving the work, stabilizing the, and improving. One of the things I absolutely love about this example is that this is not a picture of you or Mark standing next to that person, telling them what to do or advising them. You, you know, you kindled that spirit of teamwork and the, the subject matter experts were actually doing the, the coaching. Uh, I think that's wonderful because we talk about wanting to uh, build capability versus create dependency, and um, just working through uh, the team members, you know, um, establishing that trust through your dispassionate investigation and giving an offering uh, to create engagement, focusing on the work, not the worker, and uh, really kindling that spirit of teamwork so that they are learning from one another through you. That's really special. Was there, would these two normally be doing their own work? So they'd be separately accomplishing their own tasks in their own ways? Uh, yes. I, I, well, when we, when we arrived, uh, what, we, what we found is uh, they're making, you know, uh, again, uh, people are making their best effort uh, as, they, as they see um, uh, to, do their, to do their work. Uh, they, uh, but, but no one is, was really looking into their work um, to see, okay, is there a better way uh, for this to be happening? Um, and so they're, you know, they're, they're trying to get the job done, uh, you know, practicing the level of safety, practicing the, you know, the level of uh, quality um, uh, to, bet, to the best of their know-how. But no one is asking, um, in, in this industry, it's, it, it, uh, you know, if you walk on a, one of these job sites, uh, You'll you'll see it's like uh, people standing around frequently. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. well, why is that? Why why is that? So it's so it's like the norm. So when you see the people waiting, no one is asking, is there a way that uh, we can they can be uh, doing other uh, work that contributes to move the project forward? Um, it seems to be kind of like the the norm. But but as we communicated our intent and our purpose um, and begin to engage the members, reducing their you know. Uh, you know, taking some of their difficulties out of the way, moving things closer to the point of use, uh, then they begin to see themselves, oh, we can do this. Well, what about if we did this? Um, uh, and so, again, that spirit of teamwork uh, took over, uh, and they began to uh, work together, and we aided with uh, some of the things that we know from our, 
you know, our experience, tools that would help them, the job breakdown sheet, uh, standardized work combination table, um, to help them uh, visualize uh, and capture uh, some key points uh, to help uh, transfer the know-how. So um, they otherwise, uh, they would be working uh, in the same area, uh, mm -hmm. but not necessarily optimizing the, the power that they have as a team. That's amazing, yeah. One of the questions I have is, as the one gentleman was coaching the other, um, did you observe that person's coaching or coaching technique or find that person overextending or doing too much um, directing versus asking? Or did you offer coaching points to that person? Or, uh, you know, how did you shape their ability to coach the other person? How did he well, do it? That, yeah. So one one of the tools that we use um, in uh, you know from time to time, especially in this case, it was pretty effective. Is you know we use the video uh, that we captured and observed, and we shared that back uh, with the coach, uh, and that also helped in developing the job breakdown sheet. Um, and so the coach then realized, okay, what are the, those key points? That I need that I need to convey, um, but then we also show the other member uh, the video of themselves as well. So, you know, we use the video as like a mirror, so that the the um, you know if you know given the you know the two individuals, the, the individuals who uh, was had the, uh, some difficulty and struggle in doing the doing the job, they could see that themselves in a in a way that the the video is showing a mirror. So. It took the um, so this allowed the the, the person uh, who's acting as a coach. It allowed them to um, talk directly to the issues and the the uh, reasons why the key points and the reasons why. Um, but the, we didn't offer any specific um, method or technique in this in this particular case uh, about uh, bringing you know as we would do in typical job instruction. So just basically creating the conditions that someone can um, offer their expertise, their wisdom, their experience to someone less experienced, and then giving them a way to self-reflect, I guess, right? Did you, uh, was that part of the, you know, after the coaching session, did you all come back together and sit down and watch that video? Or was it given to them, you know, one-on-one -on -one in their own time? Uh, we we uh, brought them together and watched, and watched the video. Yeah. Was there any resistance yeah. to taping? So it, it created that in that uh, self-reflecting environment. Mm -hmm. um, again, uh, due to our our earlier work, um, uh, you know, we took the edge off of the uh, creating this environment that we were there threatening or trying to force work, uh, trying to make things go faster just to go go faster. Right. Uh, we took that edge off, and we you know we we got to good teamwork engagement. Um, and so this also then facilitated uh, the uh, good environment for self-reflection. That's wonderful. It's a really light touch, right? It's, it's not so much, um, uh, it's, it's just, there's nothing forced about this. It just builds, you know, getting that, re getting that trust built early um, and establishing yourself as genuinely helpful, right? Offering them something uh, really lets the rest of the day unfold, it seems like. So the framework that we approached the um, leadership of the company was um, when, let's go take a look at your work site 
And as you examine your work site, uh, you know, you may been you you may have, you know, this is the kind of words we use with them. You may have already been exposed to the the term lean and what lean means and this thinking about the there's waste and the seven type of waste. But what we'd like to expose you to is uh, not the content uh, of the work in terms of the, um, uh, you know, in within all people's work, there is a waste, there's value-added work, and then there's incidental work. But that we can consider that the content of the work. But what is the characteristic of the work? Uh, there's work that is uh, wasteful. There's work that is uh, uneven. And then there's work that's uh, difficult, overburdened. And this uh, perspective is, is how we coach the leadership to see. And so when we coach the leadership that way, um, it became much uh, less difficult um, or became more meaningful when we engaged the staff because the leadership began to see where this hard work was and that's where we begin to take action and then that's what created the, uh, the, the field of trust that we, could, that we could work together. Amazing. Uh, thank you, Brian. There was a dramatic uh, improvement in the work. And I wonder, I mean, I suspect that, uh, so the, the report that came back to us was uh, reduced the, the work from 103 minutes to four minutes. And that's, um, that's drastic. And I wondered if there were maybe some components that were taken away uh, from the work uh, that allowed that type of improvement or maybe you can share with us a little bit more context around that 103 minutes to four minutes. So Deborah, what I will tell you in this particular example, um, it was painful to watch, uh, to observe uh, the, the total amount of time of observation of 283 minutes, mm. uh, where we were watching uh, a journeyman um, uh, begin to prepare his wires for termination inside of a power distribution panel. Uh, it was it was painful to watch. Um, there were uh, two and a half inch in diameter <coughs> aluminum cable uh, that were clustered together. There are eight of them clustered together. Uh, and um, the journeyman had to strip the casing uh, from these wires uh, at the top of this uh, cabinet, and so it was, it was it was just painful to watch to know mm -hmm. that he he would spend uh, the majority of his day uh, up and down the ladder, his torso inside of a cabinet uh, to remove the casings around each of these wires. Wow! Yeah. So um, you know there had to be a better way. Uh, there had to be a better way. And so, um, in fact, as you, as you say, was their work taken away? Taken away? Uh, yeah, the work was taken away. Uh, oftentimes when we look at work and when we see these kind of dramatic improvements, it's, really, it's, not a, um, uh, it's usually not a change in the work itself. It's a change in the sequence of work. So in this particular case, that's exactly what uh, yielded the uh, uh, improvement. Uh, benefit. So uh, what we did in, in the site uh, with the members is before we insert this uh, cable into the power distribution panel, through the top of the power distribution panel, is it possible that we can 
uh, cut around the uh, perimeter diameter of the cable, uh, strip the casing, and then insert the cable into the power distribution panel. Yes, we can do that. I mean, <laughs> yes, that's possible. <laughs> yes, that's possible. Then why are we doing that? So, in fact, these are, <laughs> these are, these are, and, and, and um, I wish I would have sent the, the video. Uh, just that alone uh, took uh, 30 seconds. Wow. Wow. Just that alone. So, if we did this work outside of the cabinet, outside of this very difficult uh, environment that we created, uh, that was created because the, the wires all clustered together in the part, top of this power distribution panel. So we had then had to get with the um, the rest of the team and to really understand if this is better, if this is so much easier or can be done so much easier, save more safely and and quicker outside of the panel, why isn't being done? You all are smart people. There must be a real, uh, you know, a, a very meaningful reason why you're not doing it this way. Mm. Hmm. And so then we had to begin to explore. Yes. Go ahead. Yes. Yeah, so we, we went on then to explore. What we found in, the, in a very, for a very practical reason, uh, given the uh, nature and the and the power, the amount of voltage flowing through these cables, uh, the outer uh, cable, uh, a sheath, uh, is uh, about uh, an eighth of an inch thick. Um, it has to be removed in order to get access to the conductors, or the windings that are inside the cable, so those cables then can be terminated uh, inside the cabinet. Well, given the amount of power flowing through these cables, if the uh, wrapping or the coating of these interior uh, connectors mm -hmm. are damaged, the power will seek to find its le the, the uh, least path of resistance. And it's quite oh. possible that we could get a, um, a short circuit, if you will. Right, yeah. power will flow outside this damaged casing, yeah. um, and then then it'll interrupt the create a problem and interrupt the uh, the power flow or distribution. Yeah. So they have to take great care of protecting uh, these the coatings of these internal uh, connections. Yes. And so there are many kind of sharp surfaces along the path that these as these cables are pulled through the structures and through the what they call cable trays and into the cabinets. Yes. And so they have to take great care not to damage uh, those cable, uh, the uh, interior uh, cable uh, wrappings. So that was the reason why they had enough experience uh, that to know if they damaged it, then they had to pull out the whole run. Right. And that was a very, very uh, time consuming and it's another waste of rework and repair. Yeah, so they didn't want to do that. Right. And expensive, yeah. So this was this was the uh, the uh, the uh, the reason and the and the weight behind the reason why they wanted to keep the uh, sheath on. So were you able to still find a way to uh, take that sheath off before putting it into the confines or the constraints of the cabinet without worrying about damaging the wire? Uh, the beauty the beauty in this case is that once uh, it was realized. Uh, how much time that this was taking, uh, mm -hmm. then we begin to enlist the ideas of the supplier team. So the way the uh, work was being done is that we had a team that was pulling the cables to the distribution panel, 
um, and they were responsible for inserting the cable uh, into the panel. And then we had another team that was responsible for completing the terminations, stripping the sheath and preparing the wires. Yes. Well, once we uh, enlisted the idea, once we sh shared the problem uh, with the supplying team, the one that was uh, supplying the cable to the power distribution panel, then we began to get some ideas about how can we change the sequence of work and also protect the cables. And what uh, even within, uh, once we shared the problem with the team, well, I may I would say within two or three hours, uh, experiments begin to happen. Of hmm, maybe we can just cut around what we call the the perimeter of the uh, of the cable, uh, which is the most difficult part of the work. Uh, when it's up in the cabinet, maybe we can cut around that on the outside, but leave the sheath on as we stick it down through the distribution panel, yes. protecting the interior wires. Yeah, so as the team worked, they experimented several different experiments. Uh, one was uh, they cut around the, the perimeter uh, and they cut the, down the entire uh, sheath, basically leaving the internal cables uh, as meat in a taco, if you will. <laughs> and yeah. so you had the outer shell, and the, um, and then they um, okay, let's try this. But then what they found was that the uh, the sheets would you know, come loose uh, and it would uh, separate. So that wasn't a good uh, kind of uh, uh, countermeasure. So then they tried again. Okay, let's cut around the edge. Now let's duct tape where we've cut um, and cut down the sheet. Okay, let's see what happens there. Uh, and still, this kind of loose condition of the sheet uh, didn't work well. And so finally, what they ended up with, uh, their experiment, is that they would cut around the perimeter of the sheet, they would duct tape it, and then they would insert it into the cabinet, um, and then they would do their final slit of the entire sheet after they did the uh, insertion of the cable. So uh, in our early experiments, it got down to four minutes, but we actually ended up a result of... Uh, 24 minutes. Which from 283 to 24, still amazing. It was amazing, amazing. Uh, but it was looking at the uh, hard work, what's difficult? Why, why does a person spend all of their day with this struggle? Uh, because of what's creating this hard work, uh, can we change the work sequence um, involving the supplying team um, and then begin to experiment, go through different cycles of uh, what are we going to do, what are we trying to achieve, now let's try it, let's see what it how it works. Uh, and we did this. I'm sorry, please go. And we did this. Yeah. And so then we, you know, we did this um, within two days, uh, one maybe maybe three days, one day observing, um, two days observing. Um, uh, Investing one day, maybe half day of investigating, and then another day and a half of experimentation and and developing uh, a standard of practice. This is this is amazing, and none of it was you figuring out, you know, the grand solution ahead of time and backing them into it in any way. I love that the improvement began with a question. I think you said like, "What if we?" or "Why don't we?" I think it was "What if?" "What if?" Um, and then, uh, you know, the, the further investigation about, well, why isn't it done that way now? Like respecting the fact that there must be a reason. 
and then this word that you used, we enlisted the ideas of the supplier. Uh, so all of this came from the team and from the work. And it's just remarkable to me that this level of improvement in this short amount of time with this level of engagement is, is completely possible because of the way that you went about it. And it's this way of going about things. Um, and I wonder, you know, there's no way, I don't think, that you could have arrived at a solution like this or a countermeasure like this, right, in a classroom. It had to happen right there in the moment, uh, in the work, yeah? Yeah, so one, one, of the, yeah, one of the amazing things is that um, because of what we saw, when we explained and shared our observations, uh, those who were in the classroom, for example, uh, was just shaking their heads like, we can't believe that that's the way it's being done. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you had the video. Yeah, but in fact, you know, we're, we're, not, we're not making this up. Yeah. This is the way it's being done. <laughs> yeah. And so it, what, what uh, I, I think my kind of amazement is that um, and, and it's, uh, it's the meaning of uh, learning to see, I think, the meaning of being able to see the work. We walk by every day, the foreman in this area walk by every day, superintendent in this area walk by every day. There are 48 of these cabinets on this particular site uh, where this work is happening. It was going to happen this exact same way. Oh, matter of fact, they had already completed 11 cabinets this exact same way it, oh. it, uh, in the condition that we had found earlier. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That, that was their practice, uh, but as you indicated, there was a reason. There was a reason why. They, I mean, they they understood if they damaged those internal uh, connectors, the wrappings, then it was going to be a big problem. Yeah. But no. But you know, think. But thinking through with the team. But what can we do? What can be done? And how can we test it? Uh, not leave it for tomorrow. But how can we experiment even with our next pool? Cable pool. How can we try it? How can we what's, uh, what's exciting to me is the uh, the way that you went about experimentation and how you had such an um, you know a, a, an incredible four minute you know success on your first experiment, but how you continued to go at that a little bit and really um, took a critical look at the experiment you ran and the outcome you got and whether or not it satisfied you know the safety criteria and all the criteria. And uh, you, I, it seems just very thorough to me how you went through those iterations of experiments. Um, and, and I imagine that might've been something new for them is to try it this way. Okay, try it this way, try it this way and go through those reflections. And um, is there anything about the technique of leading people through experimentation uh, that might be helpful for people to hear? Well, what I will say is that um, you know, uh, let, let me just speak to speak to me in my past history. Uh, so sometimes as an engineer, my orientation is, uh, you know, we can engineer this perfectly. Uh, but experimentation really is about exploring and learning and then uh, really, you know, having some surprises, things, you know, discovering things that we didn't anticipate. Um, and there's a, and, and what I would say is that sometimes we just have to let things happen. And we can learn by those surprises. 
Yeah. Uh, but if we try to corral tight more tightly and uh, engineer the outcome, uh, maybe it takes away from this kind of uh, what I'm going to call uh, uh, free learning or the the value that we get uh, by the freedom in learning, yeah, if that makes sense. That makes so, total sense. Yeah. 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 So. Uh, so what I would what I would say to uh, people is let's understand the purpose of the work. What is it we're trying to accomplish? Um, let's uh, give our best thought to how we can go about uh, uh, setting up uh, some tests that would give us some uh, predictable outcome or what we predict the outcome, and then let's try. But uh, let's not uh, worry uh, and spend uh, time and energy trying to control to the point uh, to ensure that we get this outcome that we have engineered to be able to tell a good story. Yes. Uh, but let's, uh, let's not worry about telling a good story, but let's worry about getting an outcome that's a meaning, meaningful, sustainable, and suitable that the people who are actually doing the work can sustain. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I thank you so much, Brian. I think this is a really exciting and compelling story and I can't wait to share it. I also think that by listening to this, I have a different way of going about, you know, something that I was going to try uh, with some other people. And so I, th I hope that the takeaway for people who listen to this broadcast um, is, is different ways to go about improvement and coaching. Uh, and make it less about, you know, the, the title and the job description of coaching and more about the actual work and the people doing it. Uh, I love it. Uh, is there anything else before we, you know, close? Is there anything else that you want to uh, touch on that we didn't hear today? Um, there, I think that uh, all work, uh, as I indicated in the beginning, all work uh, has some level of repeatability. I think for the people who are actually doing the work, who are adding the value, uh, respecting their time and their effort, uh, and that which they're doing is so very important to help uh, shape our eyes as we go to see their work. Their struggles and their difficulties are real. Uh, it is what caused them to have sore hands and sore backs and sore legs uh, when they come home. Yeah. And so to respect their work, for us to improve their work, uh, to remove those difficulties, uh, really our way uh, to show our respect for them and, and the work that they do. And so, you know, I would want people to, to have that, um, that kind of mind and appreciation uh, for those who, who add value to the work. That's wonderful. Well, thank you, Brian. I can't thank you enough. This was a, a really great way to start the day. I appreciate your time, and I can't wait to share this with everyone. Thank you. And many thanks to you as well for tuning in. If you'd like to be a part of our conversation, email to pod at lean.org. The WLEI podcast is produced by Emma Rick and Lori Moniz here at the Lean Enterprise Institute. Coachable will be back in a month, but please tune in next week for another episode of WLEI.